going to start with a joke. You know me at all. I have classic jokes, well known for my jokes. Um, anyway, okay, so there were these uh, two guys that were old country guys that were out, and uh, they came across this hole. And they were like, I wonder how deep this hole is. And the guy said, well, let's figure it out. So they reached nearby. There was this old anvil, and they took it, and they chucked it in the hole. And they could hear all the, you know, just the wind as it went down, and they never heard it hit the bottom. It was that, that deep, and the chain just went down and everything. Well, right after that, they hear this clippy-clap, clippy-clap, clippy-clap sound, and there's this goat flying towards them. And before they can do anything about it, the goat soars past them in the air and down the hole. Well, right behind them is this old geezer guy, and he's yelling, Betsy, Betsy. And he gets up to the guys, and he's like, have you guys seen a goat around here? They're like, yes, we did. It just flew past us like at 80 miles per hour, and it went down that hole. And the guy said, that's impossible. I had it chained up to an anvil. <laughs> the more groans, the more I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little bit uh, similar to the story I told at the very beginning of this about the donkey. It's kind of like, wow, those are both kind of tragic, but it was just a joke, this one. Um, but it is, I think, a little bit about the idea of simplifying and decluttering uh, that some of us, you know, were connected to this anvil, this fear, this whatever, this clutter, the schedule, this work, and uh, we're, we're the poor goat getting, getting uh, caught in that. So... Uh, anyway, just a little humor to start us off this morning or this afternoon. Let me have a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, dive in. Lord, thank you for this food, for the great staff that prepared it for us this week and last week. We appreciate their service to you and to us, and may it nourish us. Uh, just guide our time together this afternoon. In your name we pray. Amen. I do want to give a huge uh, thank you to Fred and the staff and the team back there in the, uh, the backwards area. The Tony and all you guys. Thanks for a tremendous job. Yep, keeping us ready. Um, sometimes when we're talking about decluttering, uh, even externally, you know, you look for quick fixes. And so, you know, you look at, like anyone heard yesterday that Sky Mall, you know, the great magazine is going under declared bankruptcy. And there's so many of us that are really sad about that. I mean, there were so many great things in their magazine, their catalog that we would read on our flights, things that we dreamed about one day. I would get that for my house. Um, and I always remember one, like I'm on the airplane a lot and uh, it's hard to sleep. I don't, you know, it's very difficult to sleep. And yeah, there's this guy. Yeah, this guy in the Sky Mall magazine. He had this blow up blue thing. It fits perfectly in his lap and he's like this and he's smiling. I've never seen anyone smiling on a plane asleep, but he was happy <laughs> because it filled all that space and his back wasn't hurting. And I was too cheap to buy it and stuff, so I came up with a great idea. I bought a beach ball and I put it in my backpack. And on the plane, I blew that thing up and slept like that. And it worked through, I mean, there was some takeaway at the end <laughs> that I hadn't thought through. Um, but it was great. I, of course, I always worried, too, that it would bust. And then, you know, there'd be, you know, some big, you know, tragedy in the sky. Someone would tackle me thinking I shot or something. But anyway, you know, it's those kinds of things. And so the other day, I was looking through Twitter, and I follow Real Simple Magazine, which does have a lot of good ad advices about simplifying life. And they had this tweet, you know, like six ways to simplify, simplify, simplify. And they had me at the first one. So I clicked. And there's all these gadgets, you know, that they had. And the, and the first five, there were six. The first five, I was like, well, that's kind of, you know, whatever, whatever. And then I got to the last one. I'm like, oh, yeah, 
this is great, the bed butler. <laughs> that thing sticks between your mattresses right by you like a caddy, and you put things in it. Because, you know, the end table by my bed is just too far. You know, it's, I can reach it, but it's an effort. But the bed butler is right by the side of it. And they, I mean, I was really questioning getting this um, device because it would simplify, simplify, simplify my life. Uh, I could put all the other books by my bedstand that I don't read right in there, and if, I'd have them handy. So we're going to talk about external um, clutter this session. Uh, a good chunk of that is going to be spent on kind of scheduling with an idea behind that. Um, the orange paper that you have is a whole bunch of different ideas about just simplifying in different areas of our life. There are no shortage of um, information places. If you Google simplifying life and devices, you're going to get a ton of books, magazines, articles, whatever, about things that would just uh, simplify things um, for you. But these are just some concrete ones that some are from a book, some are ones that I added to it. And just like the resource uh, sheet, if you weren't here during session three, there's a green sheet there, and there's extras back here that talk about books you can read, things that can help you, some websites, some apps that I use. They just work for me. They may not for you, but um, they're a great way to just simplify. Like I put on the green sheet, Unroll Me, which is a website where you can go in, and it, it finds everything that you have subscribed to as a newsletter. Um, so far, it's working for me. So if it doesn't long-term, don't tell me now because I'm enjoying it. But I put that in. You put your email address in, and it finds everything that you are subscribed to. And I had 200 and some. You know, no wonder I hate my email in the mornings. It's just all these emails. And I could go through and choose which ones I wanted to unroll from. And I, I got that down by half, and it was so great. And I've, my email, I've seen the difference. So that's a great one, unrollme.com, I think. Um, but then, you know, just devices and other things that we use. So... Um, First of all, I want to talk about um, rhythms. And you might think this sounds like internal, like we talked about session three, but it really is an external practice, a way of living, uh, the rhythms of Jesus. If you read scripture and you look at Jesus' life, he, he appears and lives like someone who is um, not encumbered, right? I mean, rarely do you look at it and you find that Jesus is in a hurry, like not now, you know, it's just, he, he looks like he's present and he talks about that with people as well, right? Like, stop rushing around. She's chosen better just sitting at my feet and having a conversation with someone. And, um, and so we look at him and, like, what were the rhythms of Jesus' life? Like, how did, I mean, you know he was busy. We know that thousands came and were always wanting his time and demanding that. So how did uh, Jesus say no and live in a healthy rhythm? And so one of those uh, that we look at, the, the most important one, is the abide in God, abiding in God. And if there was one thing, you know, that was central to Jesus' life, his most important thing, it was abiding in God. It was spending time with the Father and always keeping that at the center. So we, we see throughout Scripture him, you know, moving away, sneaking away, setting aside time away to be with God, to listen, to be in prayer. And it's amazing to me how much of my life I spend not doing that, right? I mean, you just get busy, and like I talked about the last session, you start scrambling for things, and we don't stop to ever think or discern or to pray or to say, help me know what I need to say on this. We just feel like it's up to us completely to have the answer on this. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm, my cell phone is with me all the time pretty much, um, and if I go somewhere and, there, you know, you don't have service, it is just like in the movies where you see that person moving around like, you know, this with their phone, Trying, you know, I'm working hard. My now, my mission, I don't know if you're with me or not, but my mission is to find service, to connect. Um, and I don't have that same intensity with my connection with God. 
I don't fervently, when I feel out of step, remove all barriers until I get to connect with him um, and move from that, that center. And there's something wrong with that, really something wrong with that. Um, so abiding in him, uh, John 15:5 talks about the fact that I am the vine, you are the branches, those who abide in me in Christ, and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. That the single most goal is an, a life that is grafted, you know, to God, that, that we are abiding in him, and it's from that relationship um, that we, we bear fruit, that we do things, and we live, and we love, and and those things. So, you know, for some it might be that's such a churchy answer, but I've been in church all my life and I forget that the most. So I think it really bears repeating of this was Jesus abiding with the Father in all things and through all things in order to make decisions about schedule and commitments and time with people and a time away from people. Uh, the second one relates to that, but it's very specific of pausing to pray. Pausing to pray. Luke 5:16 as often as possible Jesus withdrew to the out of the way places for prayer. So he he models this for us that just stopping and ceasing would be one a great thing for us and then to add prayer to that would be another great step because most of us we just feel like we have to keep on going uh, make a resolution someone needs an answer now and we don't say and carve out the space to abide in God in a total you know holistic 24/7 kind of thing. And also just to cease and pray and say, I've got to pray about that and really mean it. Not just for it to be an avoidance tactic. And I'm going to tell you no, but I'm going to say right now, I've got to pray about it. But truly to pray about it and allow God to help us discern. Dis- disciplines. Uh, Dallas, Dallas Willard advises like disciplines of abstinence, abstaining from things, self-denial. That we see Jesus practice these things of solitude and silence, you know, abstaining from noise and people, uh, fasting. Practicing the Sabbath and, and submission. So he, he models these disciplines for us as a, a rhythm of life, not just an exceptional, you know, one-time kind of thing, but breathing. You guys uh, do exercise classes, some of you, I'm sure. I've heard about these. I, I don't know much about them. But there, there's been talk, especially in the last year or two, about core, working your core. Am I saying that right? I'm using that in the right way? Okay. Um, but the whole idea that, you know, as long as your core is strong, that's where you need to work from and live and breathe and everything, and that has such a tremendous impact on you, right? That's what they say. Okay. I don't, again, I don't know this from personal experience, but I've heard lots of people say, work your core. It's important. Well, it is spiritually too, right? That this is, these rhythms are our core. It's where we breathe from. It's where we do life from. But yet, you know, we, we don't tend to them, Right? We don't tend to them. And so we wonder why we're spiritually not well uh, or feeling immature or weak or depleted. It's because we're not tending to our spiritual core with these daily rhythms. And then the other one is, is disciplines of engagement. That just as there are disciplines of uh, abstaining from things, there is also you know, getting into the word, meditating on scripture, finding a life verse like we talked about first service or first uh, winter Bible study or um, the word for the year, that you choose to add that to your life, to engage in that and let God teach you through that. Um, worship, fellowship, praying the Psalms, being a part of a church, a small group, a community. We engage in that as a discipline to take care of the core of our life in this rhythm. And again, it's something that we see in Jesus' life and how he models. So when we look at all that, that impacts greatly what we're going to talk about um, next, which is creating a God-first schedule. 
Now, calendar, we all have our ways of doing this. Some of you, we know we're electronic. Everything is on our phone. We have a calendar that we follow there. But um, really, the question I want you to think about is your current schedule working for you? Not necessarily the means and the method by which you do that, but is your current schedule working for you? The pace, the amount, the things that are dominant, um, the things that get the most of your time and energy. Does that work for you or does it need some kind of correction or adjustment um, to live more like God asks us to live? So um, we said this the first session. Bill Hybels has this quote. Our schedule is far less about what I want to get done and far more about who I want to become. Right now, we treat most of our calendars first like they're the master, and it tells us what to do and where to go and those kinds of things. We live to it, enslaved to it, um, but it also is just a, a calendar is about to-do list. It's not really about big picture things. It's not about becoming the person that I want to be or that God has called me to be. Um, it's just a, another you know, kind of ball and chain kind of idea. We each get 168 hours each week, um, and we're called to be good stewards of those. And uh, the idea of creating a God-first schedule is the idea that that is one of our most holy things that we can do each week. The idea of sitting down on a Sunday before the week ahead and offering up our schedule to God and praying about it and saying, who are you wanting me to become, God? Who are you calling me to be? Let that be the directive for how I plan out my schedule. So the, the first question even to think about is who do you want to, um, who do you want to be? And uh, what would my schedule look like if God were in charge of it? You know, we don't think of it, you know, like God's not in my Outlook calendar. You know, that's my thing. Um, but what if we did say, you know, Gmail was God. I, you know, that one was, yeah, stretch. But, you know, what if we did say, this is a holy act, planning out my week, the time that God has given me, and being a steward of it. What if that was something where I sit down in a moment with Lord and say, I, I want to be content with you, and I want to submit this to you, and I want us to talk together about how I'm spending my week, my life, um, or those things. And what I mentioned ago about what kind of person do you want to be and what investment of your time would it take each week or month to become that person. So let's just think about the kind of person you want to be. Think first about the roles that you play, the ones that are most important to you. Okay? Child of God, a follower of Christ, a parent, spouse, a friend, a sibling. I mean, just think about the roles in your life that you have, okay? And then think about what you want to be. What do you want to become in that role? Like even think of adjectives with it. Okay, I'm, I'm a father. That's a role I have. What kind of father do I want to be? Do I want to be a present father? Do I want to be a father, a conversational father where you know, my child knows they can talk to me at any time? Do I want to be um, you know, a, a healthy mom? Do I want to be a compassionate mom? Do I want to be a respected or encouraging employee? Do I want to be um, an encouraging boss? Just think about those kind of things. A fiscally responsible individual, a grateful employee. And when we think about those things, the people that we want to become, then that can have some impact on our schedule when we go to schedule things. They get priority uh, when we're, we're doing that.
You schedule the most important things first, and this means non-work responsibilities and streams of replenishment, the things that fill our bucket. Normally, when we're looking at a schedule, we just fill in places that we have to be in, right? I gotta be at work here, I have this meeting, blah, blah, blah. What if we looked at it and said, on my calendar is also non-work responsibilities that help me be the person I wanna be. So, um, Bill Hybels talks about this in his book and the idea that he had a moment when his daughter, when he was going to work for yet another meeting to the church, his daughter stopped him and said, when we, are you gonna be gone again tonight? And that single question from a three-year-old blonde child stopped him in his tracks. And he was like, that, is that the kind of person I want to be? Is that kind of dad I want to be? So after that meeting, he went and he thought about it. And he sat down with a paper and he prayed. And he said, I heard God say, he asked this question, what would it take for me to be the kind of dad that this girl needs, that she deserves? And he heard from the Lord four nights, which was huge because he was out four nights with meetings already. But he heard four nights. That's what it's going to take for this season of their life when you have two little kids to be home and to be present with them. So when he went to start his calendar, the first thing that he wrote on there was home, that this is protected. Just like I wouldn't cancel a meeting I scheduled for work, I'm not going to cancel these out. It's that important. So even our calendars mean these non-work responsibilities, these things that God has given us and blessed us um, with. So if, if you're thinking about a role of being more uh, a Christ follower, you know, you look at your schedule and okay, okay, what can I place on here that is going to move me towards being more that person? And it's a non-negotiable, like this is added to the calendar. You know, a family member, a friend, a, an employee, maybe it's like, you know, I, I want to be a more grateful for employee. So I'm going to schedule times where I stop during the day and I pause to be grateful for something, even if I don't feel like it. At 10 o'clock, I've got an alarm on my phone that says, right now, you're scheduled to have a positive thought about your coworkers. <laughs> and you can't leave your desk until you do. I'd be there all day, Doyle, probably. No, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well played, sir. Well played. So, you know, it's like, what if we calendar these things in and say, if I want to move from here to there, I have to be more grateful. I have to choose to be that way. And so I'm going to calendar it. You know, when, I, uh, when my niece and nephew were younger, you know, was, I, I want to be a good aunt. I want to be present with them. And so Thursdays were my day off. So most Thursdays, you'd find me over at my mom and dad's house playing with Blake and Morgan before they went to school. I knew that time was going to be short. It was shorter than I thought uh, before they were in school all day. But, you know, I wouldn't change rolling around on the floor with Thomas the train and um, playing hide-and-go-seek where they go, I'm right here. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't trade that for anything. Those were precious to me, and I think they formed part of our bond because that's the aunt I want to be. I failed in other areas of my life to keep that important. Um, on your uh, tables, I gave you this handout. Um, there's a guy named Michael Hyatt. He has a blog. Um, he used to work with Thomas Nelson Publishing. Anyway, he does a lot about scheduling and productivity. I really like what he puts out. and This is one of a, a template kind of based off his schedule that he does each week. Now, this is just an idea, all right? If you're like me, you know God is not up at 5 a.m. So there's no need to be, all right? I even question 815 service sometimes. I'm like, he's not there yet. Um, so, you know, your mornings are going to look different your time, okay? Um, and same thing with the evening. You know, knowing your pattern is a plus, too. You know, some of us do better late at night. Um, we're just more productive after we know the responsibilities of the day are done and we can process and think. And some of you are ready to go at early in the morning. Um, and that's when you have your best time. So you know that and you can be flexible with it. Um, your world doesn't have to end at 9, okay? I'd be in trouble. Um, but the idea is just blocking 
that looking at the week ahead, I've got these blocks of time. And the first thing that we think about is the kind of person that we want to be. All right? Who do we want to be and how does that fit into our schedule? And he puts uh, down the side over here these ideas of themes of his life, you know, like taking care of himself, um, take his role at work, his satisfying work that he enjoys, that he has to do each day as well, and family and friends. He makes sure that they're visible there so that he doesn't forget those things. Now, for you, I already put one thing on your chart. You'll see Sunday I put church already for you because we know that's a given, all right? It's Sunday. You're going to want to be there, so we blocked it out for you, all right? But the rest of it, you can think through, okay, what's important, all right? So maybe in the morning, you know, knowing one of my most important roles as a Christ follower, I start my day with that before I do anything else. So a time set aside for prayer, for devotion, um, for a challenge, for journaling, whatever that is, that's how it begins for you. Some of you may start with prayer and do that more, you know, study or devotion later on when you're more awake or something. Um, but we start our day going, I, this is a non-negotiable. God is that important. If I want to be a Christ follower, it has to take precedent on my schedule. Same thing with him for self is like exercise and health, knowing that, you know, taking care of ourselves is not, um, you know, anti-Christian. It's actually very important. It's just like, you know, on the airplane, if you're in, you know, the mask drop down, you know, and they're like, in the event, unlikely event, that the cabin loses air pressure, a mask will drop from the ceiling above you. Take the mask, fully extend it, place it over your nose and mouth, adjust the straps, and breathe normally. If your bag does not inflate, there is air still flowing. If there's a small child or a person who cannot help themselves, please help yourself first before assisting them. Thank you for flying, Delta. All right? Yeah. Been there. Thank you. Yeah. I've seen the videos a ton. It's, it's great, okay? And we all kind of mock them and stuff. But, you know, we get to that part. I remember the first few times it's like, if my child can't, breathe, you know, like take care of Sorry, Mom, you've got to do something real quick. It sounds horrible. Um, but, but the idea is, yeah, if you can't breathe, if you're losing oxygen, you pass out, you're of no help to people around you, right? So self-care is the same idea that God says you have to take care of yourself. So however you fit that in your schedule, you're of no uh, use if you don't. The old idea, you know, bleeding heart, if you bleed out, you're, you know, you're of no use. Yeah. So some of us have been there, are there, whatever. Um, then you think of other things like uh, family, okay? If you say one of my, my cherished roles is a spouse, um, you schedule a date night. You say, or, or with your friends or whatever, okay? Uh, you put that on there and say, this is a non-negotiable. My, my wife, my husband, they're important. I need to show that they're important. We don't have to do something fancy or expensive or whatever, but they rank on my, on my calendar, all right, or my friends or the niece or nephew or family or whatever. Um, and I told you, you know, uh, Michael and, and some of the others, you know, put in home nights, nights with friends or family, you know, and, and that doesn't mean you sit at home and you stare at each other. I mean, I know family schedules. You have basketball Monday night or whatever, but in the midst of doing some of those things, if you need to do all those things, sometimes we need to look at them and go, what maybe is something we need to drop? Um, but how do I make a family moment in the midst of that? How am I present? Um, how am I saying, I am here? I'm here with you. I'm cheering you on as you practice. That was the best attempt at a goal I've seen all week. Yay. You know, um, not being divided in that. Um, Sabbath time or rest time that you calendar. Again, we talked last week about the importance of that. So if you leave that to like, well, if there's room, I'll put it in there. Most likely it's not going to happen. So if we don't set aside time to say, this is when I've ceased from working and obligations. I'm going to be present with my family. I'm going to be present with God. I'm going to enjoy the, the things that replenish me. They're not going to make it. 
Okay. So I, I love that whole idea of scheduling a God-first uh, schedule. And I think it also leads to important things of going, you know, well, what, what do I need to do to, you know, take out of my schedule in order to make this work? Because when you go starting to do that, you're going to realize it doesn't all fit. Some of these things don't fit. So what are we going to do to make sure the important things make it? And what do I need to say uh, no to? Simplified living requires purposeful stewardship of each day. You know, the other idea of that, too, is, you know, like a job. Sometimes we feel like stuck in a job or whatever. And I remember a friend who, um, she had a dream of being a teacher. She wanted to be a teacher. Um, but she found herself in a position in life which she had two kids that she was supporting all by herself. Um, and she was in a job that, you know, even though it wasn't maybe what she dreamed of or paid the best or whatever, it provided. And the risk of trying to switch streams in the middle of that with two kids, depending on her, all on her own, uh, that's huge. That takes courage. And she decided with one small step, I'm, I'm scheduling night classes. I'm moving towards this dream. And gosh darn it, she did it. She's doing that thing that she knows makes her heart sore and beat. And, you know, it's trying sometimes to teaching. There's lots of demands, but it's where she wanted to be. And it happened very slowly because she was deliberate to say, this semester, this is on my calendar. It's a non-negotiable night class a Saturday class, here or there. So when we think about, you know, back to the video from the first session, you know, from the movie Dave, and it looks like it's, you know, insurmountable. There's no way we could find that money or clear that debt, find this time in our schedule. There's some hard choices that we can make that begin to clear those things away. Um, quit stuff. Doesn't that sound great? Don't all rush up here at the end and go, I quit this, Melissa. You're right. That feels good. <laughs> uh, that's, that's not really exactly what all of it means. But um, the idea, George can stand, if you watch Seinfeld, he always says, I'm really, what's the, I want to make sure I get it right. I'm a great quitter. It's one of the few things I do well. You know? <laughs> I quit exceptionally well. Um, the idea, there's two things. Uh, there's a, an author I love called, uh, his name is Bob Goff. He wrote Love Does and some other things. But anyway, he says every day, every Thursday, quit something. Everywhere he goes, he says that. Every Thursday. It's thir he tweets it out. Thursday, quit something. And for a long time, it's just like, I mean, that's like, wow, how do you quit all these jobs and responsibilities? And then I learned, oh, he meant more than that. It's even bad habits or, you know, like staying up too late or, you know, just, you know, deleting trivia off your iPhone, that app that sucks all your time, or whatever. It's, it's something that today I'm quitting something that is preventing me from being the person that God wants me to be. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it is a role or something. But every Thursday, quit something. The other thing I like about that is that it reminds us who has control over the schedule, right? It is empowering to know that I do have authority over this. I can quit something. You know, it might be that I'm just quitting this week, staying up till midnight, and it may not seem like a big deal, but it will add up eventually. But I, I can choose that. I have power. I'm not at the mercy of my schedule. Or bad habits, you know. This is a, a bad habit I have. I want to make a change. So I'm going to quit just this one little part of it. It's going to start the motions um, to get me back in control of things. So... If you think about it, maybe Thursday's not your day. You know, it's for Bob or whatever. And if you follow him, he reminds you of it all the time, which is great. But maybe you find a day that every you know, Tuesday I'm going to quit something. Quit something in order to create margin in our life and to, and to simplify, um, simplify it. Okay? Uh, next one, turn it off. 
Sorry, for those of you that need blanks. We have to say no to a lot of good things so we can say yes to the best things. Sorry, some of you were starting to get shaky, I could tell. <laughs> say no um, to things. So you can say yes to the best things. So quitting is the thing that helps us in that, okay? The quitting is what allows us to go, no, no, I have something better that I'm committed to. Um, and, and thank you for the invitation, but I have to say no. It doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? All right, now, turn it off. Power down. Put it on do not disturb, whatever. All the technology and the things that we have around us, um, it, it just, it consumes us, right? Like, I used to be able to go somewhere and wait in line. I mean, you know, now, like, oh, I remember a few months ago, I went downtown to grab something at Subway, and I forgot my phone. And I got in the line, and I'm just like, what do I do? I don't, I literally, I mean, I struggle. I'm like, I have nothing to do. I have nothing to do. I, I could be getting things done. I mean, it was just like, that was stupid. Why did you leave your phone at the office? Um, it, I mean, it, it amazed me how much that messed me up um, because I live by always having it. And if there's a lull in a conversation or you're out somewhere and you're stuck, even in traffic sometimes, let's admit it, red light, you're like, you know? It, we just can't put it away because we feel like we're going to miss out on something or we just need a distraction. So taking time to turn it off, to power it completely down, it's not only good for your technology, um, but it's good for us as well. And uh, I love, uh, I think it's on the the hand out there about the instead of iPad and iPhone, uh, the we play, we rest, we read, something to adopt, a different kind of we. And then uh, the last one here, prune and purge. Prune and purge. So the idea, really think of, you know, just like the tortoise and the hare idea, you know, that you start sm small, you don't need to go home tonight and rent a dumpster for tomorrow and then just you know, chuck it all in. Be thoughtful with how we purge and prune in our life. Uh, some of us just need to go home and we need to tackle the junk drawer. Or maybe start on a simpler one. I mean, maybe that one is already too crazy, but one drawer, one closet, one room, purging from that. In our lives, when you think of a habit, sometimes when we think of a habit, we think, big, I got to just completely stop this. And we set ourselves up from the very beginning. If you think you're know, losing weight and you're like, I have this, I have 40 pounds or whatever to lose, and you're stuck on that and it takes time to do that, you get overwhelmed. But if you start small and go like, you know, just even this week, this is what I'm going to do. Or I'm going to celebrate, I'm just going to get to the next 10, the next decade or whatever that is on there. And then I'll celebrate and that's good. I don't want to think about the long term. Starting small is, is great uh, when we're thinking about making changes. Sobriety is that way, right? Start small, one step uh, to begin to change your, your life. All right. Uh, oh, for that. The quote at the end of your handout. Uh, Brady Boyd, he, great book, Addicted to Busy. Um, he wrote this, and I just love this kind of as a cap. This is what I'm after, feeling not empty but full living not at full throttle, but at rest, letting whatever abundance God has in store for me come in, sit down, and be at home. Wouldn't that be a great way to live? You know, we talked at the beginning of getting rid of the words overwhelmed, you know, overscheduled, exhausted. If those were not part of the natural vocabulary of our lives and of our church, how we would be a people that gave great credit to a God of rest and joy and care for us, right? Um, the dishonor that we do by feeling like things are, we never have enough, that we're never content, at the same time saying we have a God who provides. 
I mean, to think about those ideas and, and to move towards this idea of living uh, not at this breakneck speed, but at a, a healthy pace of rest um, and feeling not empty, depleted, but full. I want to end with a passage from Jeremiah, um, just as an encouragement. It's from Jeremiah 31, um, and it's a word given to um, the Israelites. They've just returned from exile. There's a lot of rebuilding and that needs to go on and re- reestablishing relationship with their God. Um, and these are the words that come from it. They found grace out in the desert. Sorry. These people who survived the killing. Israel, out looking for a place to rest, met God out looking for them. I love that phrase. But sometimes we just think it's so much us, right, that has to do all this and get this all figured out and we're desperately looking for rest. Guess what? God's looking for us. He meets us. And no matter where you're at on this scale, if you're down here or you're right here or whatever, God is present. He's looking for us. God told them, I'll never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. And so, now, I'll start over with you and build you up again, dear Virgin Israel. You'll resume your singing, grabbing tambourines, and joining the dance. You'll go back to your old work of planting vineyards on the Samaritan hillsides and sit sit back and enjoy the fruit. Oh, how you enjoy those harvests. And I think of that passage when I think about this journey of, of simplifying, that we have this God who's out looking for us. He loves us. He meets us where we're at. He has this great promise because his love never ends and it never quits. His faithfulness doesn't depart. And when we will simplify and rest in him, practice the rhythms of Jesus, learn content, being content with him, oh, the fruits that we'll sit back and enjoy. That is a God who loves us and has great plans and promises for us as a people. And that is our hope for you. I said the first day we are praying for you. We care about you. The whole reason we've done this series and the sermon series is because our hearts break for um, the state of life for so many of us. And we know if ours do, then God's does as well. And we are not imprisoned to that. We have power through Christ to make the changes, to live this way and enjoy the fruits and the harvest. And so that's our plea together. I want to pray and we'll, we'll be done. And I, I thank you so much for your prayers and your thoughts and encouragement along the way. And uh, as I said at the beginning, I, am, I don't have it figured out. I'm with you right in the middle of it. Um, so as we can encourage one another and teach and share with one another, hold each other accountable as well. Ask each other, you know, what have you done this week to replenish your bucket? Um, how have you fed the rhythms of Jesus into your life? That will be good brothers and sisters things to do, right? All right, let's pray. God, thank you for our time. Thank you for the promise of your word. Thank you for your love and your faithfulness. Thank you for being the God who is active, not passive, that you are out searching for us, looking for us in the midst of where we're at. We simply have to recognize that, that you're there. Thank you for caring for us and for providing a way um, to be content as we trust you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys very much.